to the Witty and Gritty Podcast, where we believe that lifelong learning and relentless determination are essential to developing your passions and reaching your goals. Here to help you along the way are the hosts of the show. Take it away, ladies. Hey, y'all. I'm Brooke. And I'm Farron. As educators and high achievers, we're passionate about providing our listeners with effective strategies to help navigate life's obstacles and reach your goals sooner. Join us as we break down credible research that gives you a fresh perspective and challenges your limiting beliefs. Laugh and grow as we share personal anecdotes and interviews from people that have demonstrated what it takes to be successful. By implementing these practices, you will develop your unique skill set and learn how to better serve your community. Prepare your hearts and enjoy this time designed just for you. It's currently May. <laughs> All that I do. You gotta do the dance It's not moves. enough for you. <laughs> Puppet. Yeah. Okay. I was <laughs> sad. Last time we forgot to say it's gonna be May. Justin Timberlake style. So now we got the remix. It's currently May. That's right. Patent. Betty. <laughs> Betty. <laughs> Betty's our lawyer, everybody. Okay. So today we have Jill McDill, stud lover. Hello, Jill. Hey there. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, well, we got to introduce the episode. It's episode 49, Everything's Figureoutable by Marie Forleo. Yeah. <laughs> like portfolio. So we are in our interviews portion and we have Jill, Josh, and Paul. So right now we're recording Jill. Which two go together? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll let y'all I'll figure that out. That okay. So Jill, currently yeah. tell us. A little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do. Start there. Just generally speaking, we'll dive in a little bit. Okay. Well, my name is Jill McDill, and I just um, wrapped up my 20th year of coaching varsity basketball. I think that means I'm old. (laughs) And um, I'm coaching at Sunnyvale High School now. And I have four kids. Caleb is 21. Noah is 17. And then Joshua is about to be 14 and Julia is eight. So they are spread out just so many different levels and different parts of life. And then I'm married to Paul, who's uh, one of the co-pastors at Sea Life. And so we're pretty busy around here with Paul being a pastor and me being a teacher and basketball coach and with the four kids. Well, first of all, good job remembering their ages. Yeah. <laughs> and you did it in birth order. The other day at the pharmacy, they're like, okay, what's the kid's name and birthday? And I got it all mixed up. I'm like, wait, is that right? And they're like, I'm going to try again. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's tough sometimes. We've had two birthdays during this interesting time, this quarantine time. And we've got, because we planned everybody's birthday around basketball season. Um, and so, except for Julius, but the other kids are all planned around. So they're right now, you know, everybody's birthdays, April hers was in March, April, then we have a June and a July. All right, look at you with all your planning skills. So Joe yeah. is in Texas for our non-Texans, and so basketball season, y'all usually start up right around Thanksgiving, or? Well, we start practice in the end of October, usually like October 20th, something like that, and then wrap up hopefully the first weekend of March. Is right, the state tournament. Right. Tell us a little bit about state tournaments and that kind of experience. You know, I have loved the, whenever I played basketball, um, I always dreamed of getting to play in a state tournament and I never got to do that. And my dad was a basketball coach growing up. So he always took us to the state tournament. It was the boys state tournament, but I can remember watching it and being like, man, one day I just hope to get to do that. And as a player to not get to, that was tough. But then, um, when I coached at Crawford High School, which is a small town outside of Waco, um, we went to the state tournament. And I remember walking onto that court at the University of Texas as a coach and being like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm standing on this floor, you know? And so uh, we lost that year in the semifinals, but it was such an awesome experience. I loved it uh, to be able to just, to just be there. That's so cool. I love how you had that desire ingrained in you since you were young, and then you 
found a way somehow, if I'm not going to be on the court, I'm going to be on the sideline figuring it out to make him get there. It was awesome to, because I would always make uh, my parents stay and watch and we would watch, you know, that when the final buzzer went off, because you have one team going crazy, you know, screaming, hugging each other, dogpiling, and one team just crying and upset and just to watch both. And I just love it. I love that part of it. That's awesome. So how many times then have you been to the state tournament in your career? Five. So um, one year at Crawford um, and then three years at Rockwall. So in 2006 at Rockwall, we lost in the state championship to, that was the 5A state championship to uh, Plano West. But then the next year, 5A was the largest classification in Texas at the time. And so the next year was really a dream come true year. And we ended up 40-0. and 0. We won the state championship in overtime. We were ranked number three in the nation by USA Today. Wow. It, was, uh, it was a really crazy year and really, really fun. That was one of those like dream come true moments. Um, like almost 11,000 people there to watch. It, it was awesome. Um, then in 2012 at Rockwell, we went to the 4A state championship. And we lost that game by three, I want to say. And then in 2015, we went to the state championship um, with Sunnyville and won the state championship, the 3A state championship in 2015. So that was awesome. And I will say from those experiences, the winning is much better than, than the losing. <laughs> it's much more fun that way. Oh, okay. So this makes me think of a question that we've talked about on the podcast before. This is just a an interview question that people get. There's no right or wrong answer, but it'd be really interesting to know your why behind it. Okay, so we didn't prepare Jill for this at all. We're just surprising her with this question. Would you rather, okay, how do you feel? You love to win or you hate to lose? That's a great question. And um, I would say I hate to lose. Interesting, okay. What's your Enneagram number? Three. A three, okay, I get so, it. So I am very much, and I actually wrote this down just thinking about this, I am driven by a desire to succeed, but also by a fear of failure. And so it works together some there, but um, a lot of times in coaching and in life, uh, with a big win, we, I just think, well, we should have done that. That's what should have happened. And then with a loss, take away points, so then you go, well, then I, I can never win. I can never gain, you know what I mean? And so I've had to step back sometimes and say, wait a second, you gotta, there's gotta be some win. There's gotta be some points along the way. Um, but I am a three and just want to succeed and want to, you know, to do well. Definitely a three though. <laughs> awesome. I love it. My numbers don't touch a three, but yours do, Farron. Yeah, sometimes. You'll have to remind me. You're, when, you're, uh, when, you're in, when you're secure, secure, you go to a three. Yes. So. I wouldn't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> you're just stressed out. So just nine going to a six all day. Just visiting six too often. I need to visit my dear friend a three. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, at least you get a taste of a three here. Yes. So you can experience it. Try to be Jill. Oh, <laughs> Embody Jill. Okay. So obviously, Jill, you have a great track record as far as making team successful but I don't know so we Farron and I both have coached you have coached but some people who aren't coaches don't quite understand all the moving parts on what it takes to make a bunch of randoms figure it out and achieve a common goal so do you want to talk a little bit about into that because I know you're huge into mindset and all that stuff so what walk us through like what kind of you would set up your team to do and from there you know I love the part of coaching I love is really not the X's and O's and the basketball part per se. Um, what I really, really like is, is culture and team building. And so I, I really tried to develop leaders. So that's one thing to look at at first for me is who are the leaders? Who are the people here that have influence? And then to try to invest in them and to try to give them the expectations so that then, um, they teach the younger ones and they know what to kind of stand up for when I'm not around. So hopefully when I'm not around, it's the same language, the same, um, the same expectations and all of those kind of things. 
that's really what I love to do is, is talk about culture and talk about leadership more than just the skills of basketball. And, and don't get me wrong, I love to win basketball games. So, you know, if you're going to play, I, I want to win. But there's, there are things more important than that. And so I want them to leave um, the program that they've learned a lot of life lessons and they've learned how to, uh, to be a great team member. Because you're going to be on a team no matter what if it's your family or if it's at work or whatever, you're going to have to fit into different teams. And so that's the part that I see is the most valuable part for, for sports and, and things like that is just being a part of a team. So you mentioned being a part of team can also count as your family. So how do you use what you do in your work with coaching basketball? How do you translate that to your family, but your kids are all different ages. So how do you communicate that to a 20 year old, 21 year old and an eight year old? And get along you know when they were little um our kids even Caleb and Noah are five years apart you know and so they were pretty far apart and then Joshua was another three or four years there and so when they were little we would all have them put their hands in you know how you do and everybody'd stack up their hands and Paul would say we're all on the same team one two three and everybody'd say McDills you know to, that we're all just to remind them we're all on the same team we're all in this together kind of idea now it's a little bit different so now even in this time where we've had a lot of time at home you know so we've had time at home and I had to tell Caleb one night he's the 21 year old hey when we say we're gonna play uno and you're like oh I hate uno that and I said then everybody else is gonna go yeah I hate uno and it's contagious and I know Uno's not what you want to play, but we've got an eight-year-old and she can't play, you know, Catan or whatever. It's some, some really complicated game. So next time when we do that, can you understand that we're, we're really just having to do something so everybody can be involved? And, and you know, we, I said that to him one night as we were walking around the neighborhood. So we're just walking side by side. I'm not mad at the time or upset or anything. And, and so he, he took that really well that way at that point. So then the next time Paul, Paul said the other day, Hey, let's go play um, home run derby out over here by the tennis court in our neighborhood. Well, that's probably not what he wants to do either, but he went and afterwards he was like, you know, that was fun. And so I think sometimes you just have to remind them, especially when you're not mad or frustrated or emotional to then say, this is why we're doing this. Can you, can you help us out here for him being the older one? Honestly, Julia is usually great with whatever. She's good. Like it's on. She's good with sitting there and just watching. She'll just watch and be happy just to be there and watch. And Paul will let her roll for him or something, you know? Um, but I think sometimes you just have to remind everybody we're all on the same team here. We're all on the same page. We all want the best for each other. We've all got to be, on each other's side. And um, I think that that's kind of how we've tried to do it along with, we do try to see them all individually and spend, I, I really do try to spend time with each kid and that looks different in different stages of life with them, you know, individually. So I like how you said you, when you were talking to your 21 year old, you were shoulder to shoulder. It wasn't like talking down to them or anything. Y'all are both neutral in your emotions. And you explained the bigger purpose behind the small decision. I know not everyone's entitled to a why, like do it because I said so. But when you do take the time to explain the why, you can get them on board. Right. I find that they usually will be like, okay, I, I get that. Especially like you said, when it's, when it's not emotional and you're just talking, you know, you're just hanging out with each other. And like I said, sometimes that's different. <laughs> right now with my 13 year old, that looks like, I rebound the basketball and he shoots and that's how we can spend time together that he likes. And I can sneak in something, you know, here and there. Um, it's just different, different stages of life with each kid kind of thing. So you also mentioned that you spend time with each kid individually doing something specific. So you mentioned rebounding a ball with one of your kids. What, so walk us through what you do for all the different ages. Sure. Okay. So with Caleb right now, like I said, after dinner, every night, he'll say, let's take the dogs on a walk. And 
he hasn't been here because he's been at college. So I love that, that we just go out, we talk. Sometimes it's something really deep. Like the other day we got to talking about something he had read, you know, and, and it's really an interesting, deep conversation. And sometimes it's just the latest thing we've watched on TV or something. But, and sometimes it's a conversation, like I said, but it's, it's really good for me just to get to talk and be with him, even if it's, you know, it's usually 30, 45 minutes. Then with Noah, he's the 17 year old. And I used to rebound for him. That used to be the thing to do. But now um, we've discovered that he really likes to cook. And so Paul yes. and I, yeah. And so Paul and I have said, you know, um, if we want to spend time with him, I'll be like, hey, let, let's look at this recipe. You want to make this? Yeah, sure. Let's give it a try. So we have tried so many things lately and he'll get in there and help and do stuff. And we talk and he's happy about it. And who would have thought? I mean, I, that's not what we would have thought, but that's what we're doing right now. And then, um, like I said, with Joshua, the shooting, and then with Julia, right now, a lot of time is helping her with her schoolwork and stuff. Um, and also, she likes to go on a walk with me sometimes in the day, and we'll just look at the houses and she'll say, I like that flower. I like that. Well, you know, we just notice little things from each house and just being able to talk. She's really kind of the easy one of, she'll do whatever, you know, I can pull out the guitar and we'll sing. I can, we can go on a walk, we can play, we can, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I think it's a little tougher once they get older and they're teenagers and it's not as cool to hang out with mom, to try to find something that they really love and kind of join in doing that with them. That's such good advice. I got to remember that when my kids get older, whenever mom's not cool, I got to find the thing they like to do and incorporate myself somehow. Yeah. They can make it fast food. There you go. You want Chick-fil-A? You do, don't you? You're going to come with me and sit next to me in the car. Now, we, we have also had some special things we have done with them over the years at different ages um, that I've really loved. And that like when they're 10, um, Paul takes them on a trip or around then that Paul has taken the boys on a trip. So I'm already saying I'm taking Julia on the trip. You know, this is going to be the mom daughter trip coming up when she's 10. Um, then when they're 13, Paul has talked to them about being a man and what that means. It's from a book we, we read a while back, uh, raising a modern day knight. And they also have making raising a modern day princess, I believe. But anyways, and we give them a gift and talk about that. And then when they're 16, there's another thing we've done in, uh, where different men in their life have written them letters and come to the house. We make a big dinner and those men read them the letters. Um, and so, and then I think we'll do one more when they're mar getting married. I don't even know what that's going to look like yet, but we kind of have those different milestones that they, that they see and that they look forward to that kind of thing. I love it. Such awesome. great ideas. So glad we interviewed you. Oh gosh. <laughs> we just need to have her on for a parenting. Yes, we do. Episode. We'll bring you back for a parenting session. It's going to be great. Okay. <laughs> so the book is Everything is Figure Outable. So trying to figure out, like you said earlier, how to make a team of teenage girls all fight for the same thing and be able to gain a state championship multiple times. Like this is, you have some sort of secret sauce that you're doing and you've talked about the leadership and instilling all of that in them that way they can do it on their own so you've taught them how to be leaders and then you've grown from there so what were you going to say so to add to that like in your career when you were first starting out were there any like big hurdles that like maybe in your first couple of years or recently because you know we're always learning that any challenges you faced in being a coach or that you're, you ran into for the first time maybe it was a challenging parent maybe it was um, drama on the team um, times that you were like, oh my gosh, the bus breaks down on the way to a game. <laughs> uh, have you ran into anything like that, that you're like, oh my gosh, this it's over. <laughs> but then like you found a way to figure it out and overcome to get to where you are today. Sure. Well, early on, it's just, you're young and making some, I'm sure made dumb decisions, you know, and mistakes along the way when you just don't know any better. Um, and then you kind of start figuring some things out, but I've certainly had all kinds of things happen as a coach, um, you know, from 
having to kick somebody off the team uh, for something, uh, you know, and that's only happened once. And uh, having discipline issues where a kid gets in a lot of trouble at school. And so they're sent off for about 30, 45 days or whatever. And what do you do? And, you know, some things like that and issues with parents, like you said, of course, um, what's been really interesting is sometimes the years that are the most like that and that you're like, man, um, this has been such a tough trying year. It's ended up with the best, some of the best results. Um, and I mean, one year comes to mind where I was like, this is just, somebody got hurt early on. We had somebody kicked off. We had somebody get in trouble. I mean, all these different things all happened in one year. And I remember standing on the Rockwell High School steps saying to them, we're going to fight. We're sticking together. We're fighting together. We're going to figure this out. And I, whoever's here, whoever ends up being on this team, we're going to fight and we're going to make the best of this. And that was that was one of our best best seasons there because the girls that were there came together and we kind of made it our rally cry, just kind of, uh, this is where we're going to fight. In fact, it was back when that 300 movie was out. Y'all know what that movie? <laughs> yeah. That guy right before the big battle, he goes, this is where we fight. This is where they die. Well, some of the girls uh, drove over to Sunnyvale and wrote that on the back of my car. It said, this is where we fight. This is where they die. The next day I'm picking up Caleb from Sunnyvale Elementary. And I'm like, what are these people, what are these moms thinking about me? This is where we fight. This is where they die on my car. Uh, but, but we, at the end of that year, we were like, we have to learn what makes it tough. A lot of times is what makes it great in the long run. Cause you can look back and say, man, we made it through all of that. We still fought and we made it through all of that. Um, that that's what comes to mind is sometimes all those things kind of come together at once. And at the time you're like, what in the world? And it ends up teaching a lot of lessons. It sounds like, you know, you could have gone one of two ways that season. You could have said, you know, forget this, this, we're just going to call this a scratch. I'll develop my younger players. We'll, we'll do what we can. Um, but instead you kind of turned and faced the challenge and it sounds like you're able to, you know, bring your team with you. How do you make that mindset shift? Um, Cause I think a lot of people are faced with the challenge and they, you know, you choose in my opinion to either, you know, turn and face it or, you know, accept defeat. So how do you go about, you know, getting your mind right in those situations? Right. I think sometimes, um, well, that's when it's good to have really good people and support around you for one thing. Um, you know, Paul, my husband, he's the one that always reminds me of these kind of things like, um, Hey, this is what makes it tough is what makes it great. He's the one that said that. And I just started saying that over and over to them. Um, you know, but there, that's a, that's a year where it turned out really well. I can think of, um, you know, a couple of years ago when we lost, okay, this was when somebody says the other day, somebody said, is there a loss that still really hurts you? And, um, and I was like, yes, I have that, you know? And so two years ago we lost in the regional tournament and, um, it about took me out, uh, honestly. And it's, so we lost in the last second. And honestly, I felt like it was my fault. It was completely and totally my fault. If I would have done one of about three or four things differently at the end, we would have won the game. And um, fast forward then to the next week, it was time to leave to go to the state tournament with my coaching friends, you know, with the coaches at school. And looking back on it now, I had a panic attack in the middle of the night. And it started an awful spiral for me that, lasted four or five months and so sometimes it's not as what I'm getting at is back in that 2012 year we ended up in the state championship game and that's a fun nice ending this was a not so good ending um where it was tough and I faced something and honestly it was just rough because I thought it was my fault and, and some of it was my fault <laughs> and some of it was no doubt and so then I had to learn a lot of things about myself and about, hey, 
you, I do have, like, I had to say to Paul at one point, Hey, I've got to go talk to somebody, you know, I got to go see a counselor. I got to figure this out to go to a lot of doctors. I had to go, like I said, to counseling. I had to take some medicine for a little while. I had to do all that stuff. And so, but fighting through that and making it through that has made me a better person. It's made me more empathetic. It's made me understand that people are going through things. A lot of times we don't know they're going through um, and all kinds of different life lessons. And so sometimes it's easy, I think, to, for me to turn around and go, no, we're going to be fine. Let's fight. And other times it hasn't been so easy. You know, you got to ask for help and, and that's okay too. And then you figure out how to, how to make it through as well. So we're definitely pro-therapy, pro-counseling people. We have both done this and experienced the same benefits you have uh, through different things too. So yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit into that. Yeah, I just like too that you talked about um, turning to Paul. We talk a lot about having um, wise counsel in the sense of somebody that's in the arena with you um, because you could get all sorts of feedback from like just about anybody, but you know... (laughs) looking for the quality feedback, you know, uh, I just know from my husband that I'm sure Paul is going to be very honest with you in a loving way and a good sounding board and support for you. So I just like that you shared, you turned to, um, we call him the man in the arena, the person in there fighting, not necessarily the people in the, uh, cheap sheet, ah, cheap seats. Thank you. (laughs) Hollering their advice and telling you what to do. So Jill, whenever you had the panic attack, in your head at that point, did you know, I need to talk to Paul? Or were you thinking, or were you still kind of like stuck between your ears? Oh, I was so, uh, I was so sick and bad. I was rolling around on the floor. So he, he was involved in it because I was, I didn't know what was happening to me. You know, I was, uh, I felt very nauseous and I felt, um, I didn't know what was happening to me. That That's the truth. And so the next day my ear was hurting and I was nauseous and the next day I was supposed to leave with them. And Paul's like, eh, I said, I'm not going, there's no way I'm going. I didn't know I was having a panic attack. Okay. I I thought I was just sick. And so, um, he's like, you need to go to Primacare, go to, or whatever it was, some, you know, one of those, um, go to that. And because you're going to be mad when you're better tomorrow and you're not at the state tournament. So I went to that place and I tried to describe to them what I was feeling. Looking back, I'm like, how did they not know? Because I'm like, I've got these feelings just running through me randomly. And I'm tight and my, I'm, my legs are up and down. You know, I was just so stressed out and anxious. And how did they, anyways, okay. But um, they said, here's some anti-nausea medicine. Here's some, an antibiotic, go on. So I went to San Antonio and um, the long story short, I never left the hotel room, um, never saw a game, you know, on that Thursday or Friday and it got to Friday night. And I said to the two coaches I was with, I don't know which one of y'all is taking me home. Cause it's over on Saturday. That's all the state championships on Friday night. I said, I don't know who's taking me home, but one of y'all is getting in the car and taking me home. I'm going to go pack my stuff. And, and um, so, you know, Jen brought me home and uh, and then it started me going to a bunch of doctors to see what was wrong with my ear and with other things. Then finally we're like, you know, this is probably a little deeper than all of that. And so, um, like I said, I started seeing a counselor, which really helped a ton. And in fact, I went to see a doctor who said, the first thing you need to do is go see a counselor. And we were like, well, we have that scheduled for tomorrow. It's already on the books. And um, so that really did end up helping me and helped me to see things just in a different way and the, the way I wasn't thinking. And so, so like you're saying though, with regards to that first question about being able to stand up and look at things, I had to just say, you know what? I've got some issues here and I'm gonna have to work through these things. And, um, and now I've been through two basketball seasons since then and, um, and been able to, you know, to make it through and to really this year, really, really enjoy it. Uh, and it wasn't the outcome we wanted, but to still be able to say that was fun. And that was a good season, you know, 
It sounds like instead of making a mind shift in the, <laughs> in the middle of a moment, it was like a life um, kind of changing your mind and perspective on things. Is that accurate? Like the way you had been looking at things or do you feel like it was really that isolated incident? Oh, no. I mean, I've had a lot of anxiety. I mean, I can remember when I was eight or nine years old going to play a soccer game, you know, with the little angels. And uh, well, I'm sure it was really intense. We're playing against the powder puffs or something. And my mom having to get me to lay down on the couch and do relaxation breathing exercises with me because I was just stressed out and I wanted to do so well and just wanting to achieve. And I think it's okay to want to win and to want to achieve. I still do. I mean, I still want to win. Um, but I can't see it as when we don't win, that that means I am a failure and that I am doing something wrong. Just like take it with parenting. Um, when my kids make a bad choice, I can't say, well, that means I'm a bad mom. Um, in the same way, I can't say when they make a great choice, well, oh, I'm sure I taught them that, you know. <laughs> but just kind of learn that um, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to try my very best in these areas. And then I have to leave the results up to God. I mean, that's really what I have to be okay with. So you walked us through kind of how you worked through that. So if you had to take what you learned through your counseling and all of that and to apply it to your life, if you were walking someone through how to do that to their life. So think about what are some practical or actionable steps that they can do to press on through a hard time. So you had the panic attack, you pressed on through, you did all the things to get through it. So how could you convey that to someone else? Okay. I had to learn the, to be vulnerable and I was not very good at that. To be able to admit something's wrong or, um, and to be willing to talk about feelings and things like that. And I have a couple of really good friends that, that I can do that with, you know, I can talk to them about anything. Um, and that really helped me through that time too. They really helped me and they still check in on me about that, you know, um, of course, and Paul too. Um, I learned to keep up with what I'm thankful for, you know, to have a journal of today, man, that started off with what was good today. And it would be like three things. It'd be like, um, I walked out, I took a walk around the block. I mean, it was so, some simple stuff when I go back and look at it, like, gosh, that was a good thing. You know, I was able to go to Walmart by myself. Mm. I mean, at first it's some simple things, <laughs> you know? Um, so I would keep up with what I'm thankful for. And I would um, make sure I was reading my Bible. Honestly, those are the things I would do at night um, and to make sure those, those things were really key. And then to make sure I was exercising, honestly, that's very, very important for me to get outside and to be moving around some. Um, but really, and then, like I said, to be vulnerable and to be able to talk about it and to be able to be truthful about how you're feeling. Um, I think that that's important too. So, um, and that it's okay sometimes to not be okay, but that's okay. And you just got to figure out why and, and move through that if that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. We just, the mini series before this was all about vulnerability. I don't know if you've read Darren okay. lately, but that's the I'm point. in the middle of it. I'm actually in the middle of it. All right. So that's, that was all last mini series. And so that's. I need to go back and listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm the same as you. Like I didn't want to address a lot of things, but then going through the book and working through it, oh, my life is actually simpler if I would just face it instead of running away from what I'm feeling. Yeah, for sure. So with you are huge in your career, you're flourishing right now. How do you balance that? Do you ever struggle with mom guilt or have you learned how to combat that kind of? You know, whenever I, I think about the work life balance kind of thing, I don't even really like that term because I don't think it's really a balance. Um, I think that it just is, like I said, I, I want to do my best with our family and I want to do my best at work. And so I try to just incorporate it in everything. And so what I mean by that is, is as I was thinking about talking to y'all, I can think of funny stories about all of my kids, but 
just thinking about this year, Julia was at, I'm not joking. I, I think she was at every single practice because they're after school. And so she would ride the bus over and she's in our practices. She sat on the bench right by me, a lot of games. And it's funny, one game I stood up and I was like, Texas, calling a play. And somebody took a picture because she stood up right beside me and she held up her hand like that too and yelled out Texas. And so she, they, it's a cute picture, but, but to try to just, um, that they're a part of it, you know, that Paul's at every single game. He loves it. He loves it too. And when Paul was a youth minister, I wanted to be around at those activities and events and be involved in that. And that's, that was what we did. And, um, and so there have been times where all of them, they're just at the games or they're on the sidelines or they're in the locker rooms afterwards. Um, you know, those kind of things. I remember, this is a funny story that one time we were after a game with three or four coaches and my kids were there. It was late at night on a Friday night and Noah was about three and he was with us. And so we're in the office, we're all talking at Rockwall and we're getting ready to leave. And we go to turn out to go out down the hall and there are policemen there with guns drawn, pointing them at us. Get down, get down, what are y'all doing? We're like, whoa, whoa. Everybody turns around and we're, you know, and they said, somebody in this building called 911. And we're like, oh my gosh. So I turn around and I look at Noah and he said, I just wanted to see if 911 really worked. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. It works. It works. So that was a that was a funny moment though. He was just so little and just was in the office with us. Um, but I've just like, you know, they ride the buses with us and they have been a part um, of what we're doing. So it's there are there are times where the balance may get thrown off a little bit if you're using the word balance, but I like to think of it more. We're trying to just all be, you know, do this together. And um, that looks different at different stages of life with the different kids. And obviously when it's playoff time, it's going to be super busy at basketball. But then when it's in the spring, I'm not that busy with basketball at all. And so they're just going to be different times for that as well. I like that. It's a, it's a family approach. Um, I don't remember, I heard it years ago that, you know, like if you're having a problem, your spouse and you should like team up and it's not like your problem or my problem. It's, this is the problem and we're going to, you know, face it together and not saying that, you know, coaching and teaching and being a mom is a problem, but just, you know, we're going to support each other. And it's going to be that, like you said earlier, this family team dynamic, you know, when mom's in basketball season, man, that our family's all there to support her and we're going to have fun. It's not going to be this problem or burden on anybody. We're going to go and enjoy it because, you know, mom loves it and we play basketball and we love mom. And then in other seasons, you're able to come in and invest more in, you know, whatever it is they're doing. So I love that. Um, Again, back to that team approach. Is there any other advice that you would give as far as someone trying to blossom in their career and raise a family at the same time? So besides we're all on the same team and team McDill, what (laughs) do you have other advice that you would give? Especially like the new moms, like if you can think, (laughs) think back to, you know, women that are, you know, just starting families and, but still have high aspirations and goals that they're wanting to go after. Sure. So when Caleb was first born, you know, our first child, um, I remember after that first six week period, you know, when it was time to go back to work, I remember just crying and crying. Like, I don't want to go back to work. I can't go back to work. What? I have this baby, you know, and not wanting to do that. But I discovered along the way that I would not have been a great, just all the time, stay at home mom. You know, I'm, I'm not the, I'm not going to cut the sandwiches into shape (laughs) and all the fun things, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to do that very well. Um, so I would say as you get back into to work life, you know, that you, that you go there and do your very, very best. And then if you have the kind of job that then you go home, that then you're, then you're really home when you're home and you're with your kids and you're with your husband and, or your spouse, or whatever. And you're, 
you're really there and investing in them where they don't get, um, where they're feeling resentful of your job because it's all you're talking about or you're on your phone or your computer doing that all the time. And so instead they see it as, hey, this is what she loves. And so we're going to do this all together this time of year. And this is what they love. And we're going to do this and support this person this way. And you find a way that you can help each person out that way. So, but I would say it's not, you don't have to feel guilty for doing your job well and for being really good at what you do, you know, try to go be great at whatever it is that you do. And then when you're home, they'll make time to put, you know, to show them you're more important than this. And that's, I really have tried to say that to our kids is you're more important than basketball. If something comes up that is majorly important to you, you're more important than this, you know? Um, but there are going to be some times where there's a tournament or something and I'm going to be gone a couple of days in a row. Um, so those kind of things, but I would say just go in, do your very best. Don't feel bad about being great at what you do and knowing that there are some seasons where it'll be a little more busy but just make sure that the, peop that the people that are most important know that and that you're showing them that time too, you know, that you're giving them that time too. Really good advice. <laughs> yeah. And something that I hear you saying too is like in your situation, you know, your busy season, right? So then you're being intentional when it's not, and maybe you're putting plans into place during the busy season too. Every, you know, year or addition of kid or kid in a different life phase you've probably made adjustments. Like I'm sure there was an age that Julia then got to sit on the bench with you, but you know, you probably didn't want to chase the 18 month old around. Right. Well, so. the bad part is, is uh, Paul. So when he was in charge of all the kids, he was so into the games and cheering and yelling that I don't think he knew where our kids were half the time. <laughs> they were everywhere. <laughs> They're okay. They're okay now. So, but they, yeah. Thankfully the people in Rockwell and Sunnyvale are really nice and have taken care of our children. <laughs> yes everyone's family yes. Every, yeah you spend that much time together your family <laughs> I will say though uh the whole part for me for leaving Rockwall and going to Sunnyvale was an interesting uh dynamic as well but that was really brought on by family you know um Caleb was going into high school the the job at Sunnyvale High School opened up and um and honestly it it, it wasn't as I don't want to say easy of a job. It wasn't as a uh, cush of a job. I was the assistant athletic director in Rockwell and didn't teach any classes. And um, that just wasn't going to be possible in Sunnyvale to not teach any classes. So we had to just, you know, I had to decide um, is, you know, are we going to do it this way? And family is most important. So I'm going to go teach a couple of classes or is everybody going to move to Rockwall? How are we going to make this work for our family? And so that was tough. That was a tough decision. And um, I had nothing, there was nothing wrong at Rockwall. It just ended up being what was better for our family. So how did you decide? So you weighed the pros and cons of moving family, but did you, how did you talk that out with your husband? Yeah. Um, you know, in the end of that, we were, we were honestly saying, if I'm supposed to be in Sunnyvale, I want to be in Sunnyvale. If I'm supposed to stay in Rockwell, I want to stay in Rockwell. And Paul really, in the end, said to me, you know, if you're sincerely praying that, that I want to be where God wants me to be, God's not trying to trick us. He's not trying to make this hard and a hide, weird hide-and-go-seek thing. If this is what God wants, it'll work out and you're going to feel good about it. And if it's not, he'll close the doors, you know? And so I just, we uh, thought about the verse of delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I wanted our family to be close. I wanted to get to watch Caleb play football. <laughs> I wanted to get to watch my other kids do whatever it is they decided to do. This seemed like the best way to do that, but who knows? And so Paul's advice I thought was really good on that on he's not, and I've given it to several people since then of God's not trying to trick us. I mean, if you feel good about it and it works out and all the doors keep opening, then, then that's probably the right answer. You know, it's not like God audibly said, yes, go, you know, uh, at all. It was just, it ended up that all the doors kept opening and things worked out. And so 
Um, but that's not to say it wasn't hard. <laughs> and when I had to stand up in front of my team, I bawled my eyes out, you know, and to say that I was leaving. Um, but, and in hindsight, it's been a great decision because I've got to watch my boys play. Um, and I got to watch Noah play basketball the last two years on varsity, which the games were right after ours. And in Rockwall, they're in different spots. You know, they're different for the boys and girls. So it, it's ended up working out, and, but it was a tough decision. We talk about, we have a prayer we like to pray called, yes. God, I, I must just be stupid because I've been praying and I'm sure you've given me like these signs and I must just, I must still be missing them. <laughs> and so I really like what you said that, you know, <laughs> you and Paul, like God's not trying to trick you or, you know, give you some Rubik's cube of a problem to solve. And then um, I think I've talked to a lot of people right. that when they're trying to make a decision, like you were just sharing, they might struggle with feeling like, but am I making this like decision selfishly? So did you ever wonder that? Like, am I, am I self is, are these my wants for going to Sunnyvale versus God's wants? I see needs and ways God can use me here in Rockwall, but do you ever, did you ever struggle with that or did that come across your mind or is it just me? <laughs> To think if it were selfish to leave. Well, to go to Sunnyvale because that's that seemed to align with what you want, which isn't wrong, but trying to differentiate between what you want versus what God's calling you to do. Right, right. Yes, I mean, I know that I thought that way of, okay, is this, is this, it seems to be what would be easiest for our family. You know, this seems to be like a great answer for our family. Um, for me, though, it was a little bit like, yeah, but gosh, I'm going to have to go teach again. Um, I don't mean that in a bad way for anybody yeah. that's a teacher or a principal or anything like that. Um, but I was working on basketball all the time and um, that was it. And so honestly, when I left there, I was able to really leave and, uh, and be completely separate because I could get a lot of stuff done at work. So um, so I think for me, it was just, is this going to be the right move in the long run? Are we really, you know, saying that this is going to be where we're going to be for a long time? And so, like I said, um, then I just had to focus on, I think that's, I wrote this down, is uh, Psalm 37, 4, that if I'm delighting myself in the Lord, that he'll give me the desires of my heart. So then whatever my heart's desiring that should be the right thing, you know? And it, so for that to, for me to think, yeah, I want to be able to watch my kids. Okay. If then, if my desires are right, then that should line up. If that makes sense. So for people who aren't so biblical savvy, what does delight yourself in the Lord look like? Right. So I think it means that you, for me, that I find my, my happiness and joy and, um, really just who I am, my purpose in serving God and serving other people and loving other people. And so that I find my true happiness, not in like we're talking about for basketball, because that's what I do, but not just in winning basketball games, but in, in the long run, if it's to develop leaders and to help kids and to love kids, I can do that in Sunnyvale and Rockwall or, or wherever. And um, you know, and I've been in Sunnyvale now seven years and it's been awesome. I've loved the kids and we've had, um, success on the basketball court, but we've also had, you know, a lot of other awesome things and relationships as well. And like I said, this year, we, we had high hopes this year. Okay. We, we thought this year we'd go to a regional tournament or a state tournament. We thought we were good enough for that. And we were 36 and three when it was all said and done. And then that last game we lost, it was the game to go to the regional tournament and we lost. And, you know, for me, then I think, Oh gosh, how am I, what's going to, how, what's my reaction going to be? And I walked into the locker room. I've never seen anything like it in 20 years of coaching um, that every single girl was not just crying. I don't even know how to describe it. Every girl was just weeping, just 
wail really loudly too, wailing. And um, after every game, I'm usually so mad the last game of the year, even after we lose and it's sad, I'm just like, okay, well y'all say thank you to the seniors and I love y'all, you know, and I, I've never been very emotional after a last game, but I walked in there and they were all just uh, so upset that I couldn't talk. I, I started crying. Julia came over to me. Julia's crying. She was in the locker room too. And we were all, we all just cried and cried. And um, to me, I think that ended up in some weird way, making it okay. Cause I was like, we love each other. We loved each other. We loved this season. We don't want it to be over. I got them all together. I prayed for the seniors. I prayed for our team and, um, and, and, and it made it where I'm okay with, you know, how it went. I'm, I'm good with it. We did our best and um, we all loved each other and we had, you know, we had fun doing it. So, um, but it, that's taken a while to get to that point. Yeah, for sure. You already kind of touched on this, that God can use you and your passions and your giftings, you know, no matter where you are. Um, how, you know, some of our audience might be trying either in a position that's not really their passion or using their gifts. And so they're kind of looking for a different direction to go, or they could be a younger audience that, are, that might feel like, well, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I'm passionate about. Um, how did you know that like, what took you down the coaching route and how have you developed and recognized your passions and giftings and how to, you know, um, use them for good. Well, <laughs> capitalize the coaching, on them. That's yeah. nice. capitalize on those. The coaching route, you know, like I mentioned earlier was easy. My dad was the coach. So I grew up um, around basketball and coaching. Um, so I always loved that. And, um, I played basketball, you know, at middle school, high school, and in college for one year. And so I always, I wanted to be a coach and, um, I, and I knew that just because it's what I loved. Now, when I took three years off of coaching, that's when, when Caleb was born and I just taught part-time, um, I did not miss the sport of basketball. And like right now I have all this time off. I'm not, I'm not sitting around just missing basketball, you know, necessarily. I miss a team. I love building teams. I love talking to people about leadership. And so sometimes, you know, if, if a person thinks, well, I have to do, uh, or what I'm doing right now, I, I don't like, I think that they could figure out what is it that you love to do? And maybe there's a way to do that. What, what you really love to do where you're at. Does that make sense? Like, you know, um, for me, it's like, it's building teams. And so how can I do that? If that's the way I love to think about it, then I need to think about that with my family. Like we're going to build a team here because that's, that's the way I like to think of things. Um, some people may be like, I've never been on a team. And so that doesn't sound that cool. Uh, so maybe they love to be creative and, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? That you can, you can use your strengths however you want with your family and at your job. And, um, for me, for me, um, like I said, I just want to, I'm driven by doing my best and achieving. And so, um, that's what I'm trying to do is just do my best, build teams, build people, build culture. What would you say to someone who has a limiting belief on, I like to build teams, but I don't think I can. So that's a limiting belief in their head that they need. If they've been given that purpose and that ability, how do you combat that dialogue in their head? I like to build teams, but I, or I like to do whatever, but I don't think that I can. It could be even more like, I'll build teams when I get more experience. And it's like, but you're not going to get the experience till you, till you do it. Yeah. Or, yes, yeah. I like to build teams, but she does it so much better. So why even bother? Right. So if you love to build teams, then you got to figure out how to get, you know, how you're going to get better. So the way I like to think of it is you got to get 1% better every single day. 
you got to get better. I always tell the kids too, you're getting better or worse every day. You're not staying the exact same. So if you want to be great at building teams, well, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you uh, putting in front of, you know, are you watching on YouTube? What are you putting in so that you can be better? And so research who's great at building teams, figure out what, how they're great at it, and then go do those things. Kind of like success leaves clues. So figure out the clues and then go do those things. And if that's something you feel called to be great at, then you got to figure, you got to go out and be great at it. I mean, I don't know. That sounds simplistic. I know, but oh, no, it's because it is, it is yeah. that easy. It is that yeah. easy. Did you read Atomic Habits? I did. Okay. The love 1%, it. the every decision you make is the vote for what person you're going to be. And I love how you talked about input determines output. If you want to be better at building teams, then what are the other really good team builders doing? Success right. trails. Yep. I agree with that a hundred percent. So, um, you know, try to find those clues and you can figure that out. I mean, these days we can figure that out for sure. Awesome. Well, Jill, um, that, that's our list of questions, but in our discussion today, is there anything that we didn't touch on or that, you know, anything else you feel led to talk about or close again, remember our audience, our dreamers, doers, goal getters, trying to, trying to figure out a way to get there. You know, um, I would just say, um, as you're thinking about being great at, at your job or with the family and kind of that balancing thing is sometimes we think, well, I don't have enough time to do that. You know, I just don't have the time. And I have found I have plenty of time if I really plan it out and schedule it out and think through my day. If I said, I want to, I'm going to read for 30 minutes here. I'm going to go on a walk for 30 minutes here. I'm going to listen to a podcast here. And if I really plan things out, there's way more time to do things than what I'm thinking. Maybe there's not time to watch 10 Netflix episodes and do all those things, you know, but if I really, really want to get better at something, then I can do that. And for me, instead of thinking, I want to jump from here to here, I love the idea of, I can get 1% better. I can get 1% better every day. And so I talk about with the basketball girls, if we get 1% better, we're doing like this. So we start here at the beginning of the season. And by the end, we're going to be up here. You know, we're going to keep going up and up and up. And by the end, we don't know how good we'll be. And so just trying to continually improve yourself, improve your family, improve your team, improve yourself. That, that's what I would say would be my advice. So we are fellow planners over here. <laughs> you like have a routine like on a certain day of the week, you plan out like a week, do you plan out like in the morning, write out your day, you plan out your year, what, it, what all, tell all. <laughs> I do not plan out a year for sure. Um, no, usually at night I'll just, I simply just go to the calendar on my phone and type in for each hour. Today, I knew I wanted to, there was somebody I wanted to call. There was a place we needed to go. Julia had a Zoom call. I wanted to go on a walk. You know, just all the things I know need to happen today. Just plug those in my phone. And then sometimes I forget about them, honestly. And then, you know, my phone will send me a reminder. Hey, it's three o'clock. This is what you wanted to, you know, here's what you had. And I'll be like, oh yeah, I've got it. I need to go do that. And so really even sometimes just remembering a person I want to reach out to um, and or, or different things like that. It'll pop up on my phone. Now, every once in a while, I'll get a reminder on my phone. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I can't remember. I don't know who this is or what this is, but you know, that's, that's kind of how I do it. I am not like, um, I don't have months planned out at a time or anything like that. What about a basketball season? <laughs> that's already planned. We already know that. You already know the yeah. start date. And basketball, by the, my practices are done by the minute. There's no doubt about that. Um, the girls know. Sometimes I'll be like, we've got, we got to get going. We're two minutes behind. You know, I'll say stuff like that all the time. But everything's planned out to the minute as far as that goes, for sure. 
love it. Well, thank you, Jill, so much. This has been such a good interview, saturated with tons of takeaways. So make sure you guys check out the, the show notes, wittyandgertie.blog forward slash everything is figureoutable 49. And that's how you can find these show notes. Jill, stay on the line with us because we get to talk to you and the listeners don't get to hear you. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast. Join us at wittyandgritty.blog, where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our blog, and listen to more episodes. We have a Facebook group out there just for you, for discussion, support, and community. And don't forget to get your freebie that's designed just for this mini-series. If you have any questions, reach out. We'll be right there.